people said, Amen. Today, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, and we'll focus on chapter 2, verses 1 through 21 today. I'll prompt you to follow along as I read in just a few moments. I wanted to tell you a story about my grandpa McDaniel. My mom's dad, my grandfather, Harold McDaniel, was born and raised in the small town of Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia, where my mom and dad were from. He was the son of a carpenter and went through high school. And then when he graduated, went to work for the local steel mill, Phoenix Steel. And after his time in the service, he went to night school and spent his entire career with Phoenix Steel. Like many in his generation, when the United States entered World War II, he enlisted, and I believe there's a picture of him on the screen right there for us. He enlisted in the Army Air Corps, where he became a navigator on B-17s in the 457th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force. He was based out of England. My grandpa flew many missions, and from time to time as we were growing up, he would tell some of his stories. They were, they were painful, were not always easy for him to tell us, but when he did, we just sat and listened with ears wide open. On one particular mission on early November of 1944, he and a group of other plane, B-17s separated from the main group and they were on a secret mission, and we still don't know exactly what that mission was. They came upon enemy fire, and they, um, they, all of the, the planes were fired upon, and my, my grandfather's plane and the others all uh, went down, and many of them had to, to bail out, and, and some did not survive. My grandfather was able to escape his plane and followed the rules and didn't pull his chute right away, and he saw his his plane explode in midair, and then later pulled his chute and landed in the backyard of a German farmer. When he came to, because he was knocked out, he was surrounded by Nazi soldiers pointing their guns at him, and of course neither knew the language of the other. And so he ended up being taken prisoner of war where he spent the rest of his time in the service, about six months until he was liberated. He would, would say when he went on missions that they always wanted C-A-V-U, C-A-V-U. And if you're a pilot or if you're into flying, you know what that means. Sealing and visibility unlimited, C-A-V-U. And as we worship today on this Pentecost Sunday, you might be asking, Pastor Bob, what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do with Pentecost Sunday? And I believe C-A-V-U, Sealing and Visibility Unlimited, has everything to do with what God has called us to be and do as a church, where there are no limits, where we have no ceiling, where we have unlimited vision as we seek to follow the path that God has for us. We've been in a series of messages through this spring called Being Neighbor, and it's about Christian hospitality. 
and we've studied the roots of Christian hospitality. And now we're talking about some of the fruits. And community outreach is one of the fruits of doing Christian hospitality when we treat others as Christ would have us to treat them and when we see Christ in others, as you heard in the passage that was read just a little earlier in the service. Outreach to the community is this fruit of Christian hospitality, and I believe that the church is truly the church when it exists for others. So now let's look at the text, and we'll see how C-A-V-U may come into play a little bit later on. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They had come back for the Feast of Pentecost. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Fergia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. Let me pause there for just a minute. Isn't it amazing that God's Holy Spirit gave the early followers of Christ the ability to speak good news to people in languages that they had never learned? It would would be like you and me leaving here today and encountering someone with who speaks Spanish and no other, and the Holy Spirit enables us miraculously, supernaturally to speak Spanish that they might understand the message that we have of the gospel. Or maybe another encounters someone who speaks Mandarin and comes from that background, or another someone who speaks Swahili and have the opportunity to, without ever having studied that language, to speak directly to that person that they could fully understand and comprehend what we are saying. That's what happened here. It's truly supernatural and truly amazing. And when that happened, the, the ones who heard it were amazed and perplexed, and they started asking, what does this mean? And I am convinced that when you and I act so differently, when you and I are so filled with the Holy Spirit and treat people in such a way that they perhaps don't expect that people will say will be amazed and perplexed and ask one another what does this mean and doors to op- are open that we might share the reason why we do what we do that we might share the reason for our faith why we believe what we believe now let's continue as we look at the rest then peter 
Peter the Apostle stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed those who had these questions. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. And began his sermon at Pentecost. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, and it was improper for them to have any wine at that particular hour. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I believe that we see two things, two elements of a growing church. And I'm not talking about growing numerically. I'm talking about growing kingdomly, growing exponentially, multiplying and reaching people. The kingdom is advancing. The first element is this that you and I would be keenly aware of the needs of the surrounding community. If you're taking notes, I hope that these will help you as you go through this week. Let us be keenly aware of the needs in the surrounding community. You and I live all over the place. You have come from various parts of the metropolitan area to worship today. Every one of you has a circle of influence, whether it's your school, your cul-de-sac, your employment, um, where you go to university, uh, the, the kids that you hang out with. Every single one of us has a circle of influence. And when we listen to the needs of those people around us, we come keenly aware of how ministry might take place. Just yesterday, we were at the ball field. Isabella plays softball for Huguenot Little League. And one of the moms of one of her teammates, we were all talking as the kids were out on the field, and we learned that she is a special needs teacher in one of our high schools here in the county. And we just started talking, and she was describing to me the various ways that her students love to work and love to be involved. And there are a lot of opportunities. And she said, I just wish more people would take us up on it. So I'm listening. And I do believe that the church underserves that part of our community, those who have special needs, the families who have special needs. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God were able to break in and show us how we through our church might be able to step up in that area of ministry? That's just one of a number. But I, I believe uh, that there's, the fields are wide unto harvest as we look for opportunities to, to minister that might be different than what we're doing now or new. Another example is English of the second language. There are many of us who encounter people who don't speak English as their primary language. And ESL classes are a great way to help uh, share God's love and help people in the needs that they have in their families and in the community. It's also a great way for refugees who settle in our area to be ministered to and to be assimilated, to help assimilate into the culture and the surrounding community. So let us be keenly aware of the needs of our surrounding community, of our neighbors. And then the second element is to be outwardly focused and inwardly responsible. 
Very simple. That the church exists to reach people to advance God's kingdom. We, we, we know that God has given us a great commission to go and serve, make disciples. That we are outwardly focused on how we can be involved in God's ministry, that great commission He's given us. But we also need to be inwardly responsible to care for one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to encourage one another, to bear one another's burdens. So there's ministry to be done in the church. There are items that we steward like this wonderful campus and the other things that God has gifted to us as tools to do ministry. So we are outwardly focused and we are inwardly responsible. We must constantly be focused on reaching the people outside of these walls and at the same time focused on ministry within the walls and here on the campus. It's a both-and situation. And I believe that's where C-A-V-U comes into play. C-A-V-U. Perhaps that we could be a church that has C-A-V-U, ceiling and visibility unlimited. I want to help us to think creatively today. And there is a wonderful illustration from our history in Virginia in Hanover County. I, I actually use this some years ago as I taught a leadership workshop for the Central Virginia Baptist Ministries, which is all the associations in our region. And it's the historic Pole Green Church out on Rural Point Road in Hanover County in, near the Studley area. You might remember that early in Virginia history, our colony was Anglican. And the Anglican church and the government were really just one. They, they were all in the same. The state sanctioned the church. The state <clears throat> built the churches and paid for them. The, ch- the state paid the clergy. The state pay- paid for their parish houses where they lived. And it was all because of the taxes that people paid that enabled this to happen. Well, the first Great Awakening swept through the colonies in 1730s, 1740s. And there were people known as dissenters who were upset with what was happening in the Anglican church. It was too friendly of a relationship with government and the church. And so they started to gather in reading houses, and they would gather and read the Bible. They wouldn't call them worship services, and these reading houses were not called churches, um, so not as to raise the awareness of, of the government. Preachers who were heavily influenced by Great Awakening preachers like George Whitfield came to these reading houses to read the Bible and to preach. And there were three of these such reading houses in Hanover and one in Henrico. One of them in Hanover was named the Pole Green Reading House. And this is where Samuel Davies, a young Presbyterian pastor from Pennsylvania, was invited to come, and he was actually the first non-Anglican minister licensed to preach in Virginia. He would later become the president of Princeton University. People came from all over to hear Samuel Davies preach. Included in the congregation was a young boy from the Studley area whose mother took him to hear Davies. He credits Reverend Davies with, quote, teaching me what an orator should be. His name was Patrick Henry, who would later become the first governor of Virginia and was one of the founding fathers of our nation. He was instrumental in the movement for religious freedom in Virginia and in America. And as you know, religious freedom is one of the historic distinctives of us Baptist people. 
Davis, Davies led the people to build a meeting house, and it was eventually called the Pole Green Church, and there's a replica on the screen that you can see. During the American Civil War, northern soldiers occupied the church, and they were using it as they advanced down towards Richmond. Sadly, Confederate soldiers had to fire upon the church to try to push the northerners back, and the church caught fire and burnt to the ground and was never reconstructed. And today there's a historical park there that you can go tour and experience the the grounds. It's beautiful. The Pole Green Church today is a historical preservation area. And preservationists have, if you could advance the slides for me so you can see what they've done. Uh, Since they, they did not reconstruct the church, they have the framing of the church so that you can see the outline of what it looked like. It helps people see the size and the scope of the church. But I believe that it does more for us today as we consider outreach into our community. If you look at the shell of the original building, there's a neat slide at night how it looks lit up. There's something very unique. There's no ceiling, there are no walls, and there are no doors. Pole Green Church is literally today, if you think about it, a church with C-A-V-U, Ceiling and Visibility Unlimited. And how would it be for us to worship in that way? We're looking out and people looking in and there's nothing restricting us at all. I believe that's the kind of church that we're called to be. All churches are called to be. If you're taking notes, a church with no ceilings, unlimited vision, a church with no walls, a church with no doors, a church where members can see out, and a church where the community can see in. Wouldn't it be amazing if churches grasped hold of this and allow the Holy Spirit to work in the way that the Holy Spirit wishes. I believe that we can aspire to be this kind of church. I believe that we're on the way. And I'm excited about what God is up to here at HRBC. We want you to help today. In just a little while, there is an insert in the bulletin. Some of you may have already started answering some of the questions. But you'll have a few moments to respond to some of the questions that we're asking about how we can be better neighbors to our community. The first questionnaire regarded worship. The second was regarding community groups. And this one involves outreach to our community. And over the next six to eight weeks, our staff is going to be going through all of your responses and seeing how God is at work and how that might live into the, we might live into the vision that God is speaking through you. So on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you for your presence today, and I pray that all of us might join together and seek to be a church with C-A-V-U. Let's pray.